Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandia. Today we're going to talk about Ishmael. We're going to talk about his mother, Hagar. You know, Hagar, we sometimes sell her short. She simply did what her boss's wife asked her to do, and she got into trouble for it. How many times have we been let down by Christians, by believers? But you know what? We're going to find out today no one can let us down that God can't bring us out of. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. You know, this ought to be probably one of the greatest parts of your day because what really makes your day is the Word of God and an understanding, a revelation from the Word of God can change the entire day. In fact, one revelation from God can change your entire life. And there's been times I look back on it, probably counting on one, maybe two hands, things I have learned that literally changed my life completely. Other things, yes, they helped to alter and gave me great hope, but I mean, actually were life-changing, career-changing, path-changing parts of my life from the Word of God. And who knows, today might be one of those. Why don't you turn with me to Genesis chapter 21. We're going to be taking up today uh, Ishmael from the Word of God and what God has to say about Ishmael. And uh, most people think, well, Ishmael, you know, he was that child that was born under a curse and all those kind of things. And yes, he did have a cursed race that came from him, but it ended up being the reason why they were cursed is because they turned against God's people. And so we'll be talking today about the beginning of that race, and that is Ishmael today from the Word of God. And uh, we're going to be talking about, of course, uh, Ishmael, uh, that uh, Hagar was his mother. And of course, she had problems in and of herself because of the family she lived with. We're going to talk from my book on the book of Proverbs, and that is Raising Children. In fact, probably most of the book of Proverbs is how to raise a godly child in an ungodly world. And so we'll be talking about that. But also, I'm going to be mentioning, too, in the life of Joseph and how Joseph was one that was turned against and used and abused and everything else and, and sold into slavery, thought they'd never see him again, and yet God watched over him. That's what we're going to talk about with Ishmael today. So when, anyway, the book of Proverbs is what I'm offering on the broadcast, but listen, if you don't have my book on rising out of the pit, I mean, you think you had problems, but to think about this too is that uh, here's a man that uh, was uh, you know, literally uh, lied about by his own brothers, sold into slavery by his brothers, and lied to his father about him simply because they hated him because he loved God. That's why they hated him. Sound a little familiar in your life? Well, I've, I've been through it before too. But anyway, how that uh, he came and went down as far as he could get. And listen, there's no depth you can go to that God can't get you out of. And of course, we have here the story of Joseph and what a great story that is. So if you listen, when you order the book, why don't you go ahead and order this too? Just find it on there and uh, order it. And it'll be a tremendous blessing to you about what God did in the life of Joseph and what God did for Joseph he can do for you. So in Genesis chapter 21, we have the story of Ishmael. And really it comes back to this, that that family problems and problems of today's families are no different than this, uh, you know, back in, in the days here of Ishmael. Uh, Old Testament, New Testament, people had problems with children. And uh, today we have it too. It seems like it's spreading everywhere. But the problems of today's families and children, the thing of it is we're seeing it spill over to the church. We see physically abused children coming to church, sexually abused children, abandoned children. And now they're filling our nurseries, our children's uh, department, our youth classes have them. And close to 80% of our children today are being raised without a father or they're being raised by a stepfather and sometimes an abusive stepfather who th- simply thinks, I married the wife, but the children are just property. They're not my children. 
And so they abuse them, do all kinds of things against them. We're finding this out today in our society around us, that whenever it became more and more easy to get a divorce many years ago, rather than working out the problems of a relationship, no relationship is perfect. No marriage is perfect. Uh, No husband, no wife is perfect except for Jesus. But you do have a perfect word of God to come to, to help get your life back in line, and especially a church, attending a church where a good pastor opens up the word of God, and then getting over the fact that people come to church, you think they ought to be perfect people. Perfect people don't come to church because perfect people wouldn't need church. Of course, that's only Jesus. You can't, you're far, far from being as perfect as him. That's why we need church. And so we need church, even though the problems of today's families and children are now finding their way into the church. But there's no problem that we can face that's been overlooked in God's word. The God who took care of abandoned mothers and children in the Bible is still taking care of them today. And so it comes back to this basically is your background has no bearing on your blessing. Isn't that good news? I mean, whatever you come out of, no matter how bad the situation is, God can turn any situation around. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Rahab. And of course, you know, she was there when the children of Israel were going to come into the promised land. And uh, she was, Rahab was a prostitute and uh, was a prostitute. But, you know, she mentioned to them that some 40 years before that, when the, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and they heard about this over in Canaan. She said, our people begin to shake. We knew this land belonged to you. And for 40 years, we've been asking the question, when are they going to get here? We thought they'd be here by now. We thought they'd destroy us. But literally the children of Israel, you know, they just were in the, in the wilderness, just living it up or else, you know, disobeying God or not believing God or griping and complaining the whole time. And so again, they took them 40 years to get there. In fact, it wasn't until the first generation died off and the second generation got to come in. But we find Rahab and Rahab hid the spies that came in. One of them was named Salmon and she eventually married Salmon. Their child was called Boaz, a boy, and he married Ruth. Isn't this interesting? Which led to David on the throne a few generations later, David came from them and then the lineage of Jesus came. All this is found in Matthew chapter one in the lineage of Jesus, verse five, verse six, and verse 16. You say, well, what's that matter? Well, Rahab had a terrible background, but by dedicating her life to the Lord, the whole thing was turned around. She married a wonderful man, had a tremendous son who became wealthy, who married Ruth, who both of them had a child, led to the, again, the lineage of David, and then eventually the lineage of Jesus, Mary and uh, Matthew and Mary Magdalene. Matthew was a tax collector, looked down on by society, hated and despised because tax collectors notoriously ripped off the people above and beyond what the Romans wanted, above and beyond what the Israel Israel wanted. They took money for themselves. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And of course, we know the life-changing things that happened to her. Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus had to be probably, and he called himself the chief of sinners. I believe it. Outsinned every sinner that was on this earth. Why? Because he did nothing but kill Christians. He loved killing Christians, had Christians everywhere. In fact, he left the area of Jerusalem and went over into Damascus, into Syria to chase uh, Christians and kill them. And that's where he met the Lord, called the chief of sinners. And look what happened to his life. Now, some two thirds of the New Testament was written by this man called Saul of Tarsus. After killing Christians, he became the leader of Christians and probably the one we look to next to Jesus more than anybody else. I think in my own time period, Nikki Cruz, Joyce Meyer, 
Nikki Cruz was a gang leader in, in New York, and look at the mess he came out of and how God turned his life around, what a soul winner he became. Joyce Meyer, sexually abused, but got past all that and found out that God has answers no matter how bad our situation is. And of course, all of us, if we stop to tell stories, we could be here all day long. What is Ishmael's story? Well, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 21. I want to start with verse 9, and we're just going to read right down through verse 21. Here's the story. Genesis 21, verse Verse 9, and Sarah, Abraham's wife, saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born to Abraham, and mocking. What happened was Sarah and Abraham had been promised by God they would have a child, but the child wasn't coming yet. Here's the interesting thing. She allowed Hagar to sleep with her husband to have a baby, and then by the time the baby was born and all that, then she became pregnant after a while. And so if she'd have waited a little longer, but of course she had to jump into this thing so quickly. It says again in verse 9, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born to Abram, mocking. And she said to Abram, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman will not be heir with my son Isaac. This is the same wife that asked him to sleep with Hagar and to have a baby through her because, again, Sarah was too old to have a child and didn't trust God when God said, your age doesn't matter. I'm going to restore you. Verse 11, and the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. It was his son. It may not have been, again, Sarah's son, but it was his son, and he loved that son. There was a bond and a connection there. Next of all, there was a bond between him and Hagar. Verse 12, and God said to Abraham, let it be, uh, let it not be grievous in your sight because of the boy and because of your bondwoman. In all that Sarah has told you to do, hearken to her voice, for in Isaac your seed will be called. Isaac was born at that time. Verse 13, and also out of the son of the bondwoman, I will make him a nation because he is your seed. I'm going to bless him because of you. He is your son. And even though he came out of wedlock, and even though this was not my plan, I'm going to take him and I'm going to make a nation out of him. Verse 14, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder and the child and her were sent away. And she left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Here's the interesting thing I want you to note. And you don't pick it up here, but you will pick it up in a couple of verses. When Abraham rose up that morning and gave her a bottle of water and bread, understand this. He didn't know how long she would be gone, but how long would one bottle of water last and how long would one loaf of bread last? It didn't last long because she was in a desert. He really did not expect her to live and at that time right there, just thought, I'm going to get rid of her. We're going to stop all this right here and probably swallowed hard and sent her out with just enough to take care of her, probably just for a day. How long would a loaf of bread last and a bottle of water? So in verse 15, and the water was gone in the bottle. Here it is. And she put the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down in front of him a good way off about a bow shot. And she said, I will, I do not want to see the death of the child. And she sat facing him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. I want you to, if you have a Bible, you can underline something. Underline that. She's the one who's grieving. The child is just laying under a bush. And the child is probably whimpering or crying a little. She is bawling. She is lifting up her voice and she is weeping. But notice this, God didn't hear her voice. He heard the voice of the boy. Isn't that interesting? And the angel of God, this is Jesus Christ, called Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what is troubling you, Hagar? Fear not. 
For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Arise, lift up the boy and hold him in your hand for I will make out of him a great nation. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the boy drink. And God was with the boy and he grew and lived in the wilderness and became an archer. And he lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother found him a wife out of the land of Egypt. How interesting this story is. We're getting close to the break time, but I'm gonna wind this up and then continue after the break. There are many in the Bible who are difficult to preach about because we're predisposed to believe they're evil. Joseph's brothers, that's why I'm offering the book on Joseph so you can find out what was done against him. He was very badly mistreated by his own family. Joseph's brothers, Job's friend, Again, here we have Hagar and Ishmael. Yet sometimes the worst in the Bible can teach us lessons about our own life. Why do we find them in the Bible? They're there for our admonition. We're not, they're not there for us to imitate. And they're not there to teach us that God puts evil people in our life. All I'm telling you is there are evil people out there and we will cross paths with them. But you can learn as much from the unrighteous as you can from the righteous. The righteous show you ways to live and the evil people show you ways not to live. And on top of that, you're taught not to put your trust in them. There's evil people in this world all around. You know, how do you teach your kids about driving? Well, because there's drivers out there that are terrible and there's drivers that will speed. There's drivers that will run red lights. You have to teach your children, watch, 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 watch. In other words, at that time, they're not just learning from the good drivers. Good drivers might be teaching them. They also learn from the bad drivers that are out there and there are sinners in this world. And if we'll open up our eyes and open up our attention, we can learn from them. I'll see you right after the break. Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. In Proverbs Wisdom for Today, Bobby Andy discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs Wisdom for Today, visit our website at bobbyandian.com. Rising Out of the Pit shares lessons from one of the most beloved characters in Scripture. Joseph was full of dreams from God, favored by his father, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, and locked in a dungeon. He faced trials far worse than most Christians ever see. But God delivered him, and he will also deliver you. If you feel like you're bound in Egypt, lost in the wilderness, or facing a fight, Joseph's story encourages, inspires, and instructs. Whether great or small, the only way to overcome your problem is God's way. Strengthen your faith, courage, and hope as you join Bob Yandian in studying the life of Joseph. To order Rising Out of the Pit, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life 
through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Let's get back to where we were. Again, there's some of the worst in the Bible can teach us lessons about our own life. And that's what we're finding here in this particular story. Again, Joseph succeeded in the midst of the betrayal of his own brothers and God used this situation entered in by Satan to prove his ability. He can turn any situation around and create blessing out of cursing. Joseph ended up forgiving his brothers. And there's many in life we had to end up forgiving. We may not understand them. We don't agree with them. We wish the thing never would have happened. We wish we'd have never met so-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so or whatever it is. But yet there's going to be these people in life. And so again, we have them in the word of God. Part of Jesus' maturity actually, again, occurred because of Judas. Now, I'm not saying here that Judas was set there by God and, and Judas could not possibly get saved, but Judas had turned in his own heart against God, but lived outwardly as a Christian. He's one of those that would stand before the Lord one day and say, didn't I cast out devils in your name? And God would say to him, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Judas was sent by Satan into the midst of the camp of Jesus, and Jesus learned some things through him, part of his natural maturity and even his spiritual maturity came from handling people like Judas. We're always going to have a Judas in life somewhere. Yeah, but how in the world did he get right in with the 12 that were with Jesus? I don't know exactly. The Bible doesn't say. It just said from the beginning, Jesus knew he was going to betray him. But there was something about Judas that needed to be and presented with a, with a three-year time period to receive the gospel, yet he rejected, 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 rejected. It has to come to the point where when Judas stands before God, that God's going to say to him, I put you in the midst of them. I opened up a door for you and for an opportunity for you to sit next to and walk next to and to travel next to the Messiah that was sent into this world. And yet you wouldn't listen. And so for all of that, that's what he, why you're going to spend eternity in hell and then the lake of fire. But again, part of Jesus' maturity came through, through Judas and even learned to deal with him. Again, though it was Satan that filled the heart of Judas to betray Jesus, yet God used this situation to teach Jesus and to show Judas some things. Again, things are going to happen. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God doesn't put those people directly in front of us. He just knows we're going to run into them once in a while and even has a plan before it ever came about, comes about of how he's going to deal with it. God knows who's going to come across your path, who's good, who's evil, and God doesn't always remove all the evil people so you'll never meet them. Life is filled with them, like coming back to that car uh, story. There's gonna be car wrecks out there. Sometimes your kid's gonna get in car wrecks. Sometimes it's not their own fault at all. Sometimes it is their own fault, but you know what? They can learn from it. Life is filled with bad drivers. Life is filled with bad people. Life is filled with mediocre people and life is filled with great people. But we wish they could all be great people. Well, that's not gonna happen till Jesus rules on the earth. In the meantime, Satan lives on this earth. Satan is the God of this world. And there are people in this earth that love to walk with Satan. And we're gonna run across them all the time. God isn't gonna just pick us up and say, you poor little thing and move us away from every bad situation. No, God can take us in the midst of a bad situation with us all over say, did you learn anything from this? The answer is yes. 
when I taught my children to drive. I didn't put all the bad drivers out there, but I did teach them there are bad drivers out there. And one day my son was hit by a running deer. I mean, just made a dent in the back. You know, did God send that deer across the path? No, that deer was just there. My son happened to be there. Circumstances of life, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And sometimes we have a tendency to kind of, you know, well, you know, kind of get down and we think, well, why did all this have to happen to me? It happens to everybody. There's nothing that happens to you, Peter says, that doesn't happen on a worldwide scale. Someone else is going through the very same thing, but God knows ahead of time. God has a plan and God will get you out of it. And so again, this came through Judas, part of Jesus' maturity, came by dealing with a guy named Judas. We've all had Judases in our life from time to time. So Job saw and forgave the bitterness of his friends, which helped him see the need to forgive. He saw that these friends were around, but then after a while, listen, those people were there. The reason why God has given us the ability to forgive is because there's gonna be people around us that need to be forgiven. And it was the bitterness of the friends of Job that led him to forgiving them finally at the end. What do we have in our story? Hagar is a woman who is ridiculed along with her son Ishmael. Hagar is a beautiful type of God's compassion toward us even when we sin. Listen to this. Hagar was a believer by this time. She was placed into this home. Her, you know, that Abraham and Sarah chose her to be in the house and then she was uh, chosen or at least uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, picked her and said, I want you to have my, my husband's uh, child because we're supposed to have a child. She was just a a servant in the house. She was obedient. But Hagar, again, is a beautiful type of God's compassion. Even when we sin, even when we mess up, God has a plan for our life. Our failure is never bigger than the grace of God. God can turn our failures into stepping stones. What was meant to destroy us actually ends ends up being a step into a greater life altogether. I look back on my life. Yes, there's been wonderful times where God has led me, but there's also been times people tried to betray me, work behind my back, talk about me. One time I was fired because somebody spread rumors about me. It took a long time, but the company finally figured it out, even called me and asked me to come back. And I said, no, it's not the fact I don't want to come back. I'm in the middle of God's will. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm not saying you know, that these things should never happen to us. But if you will let them and you walk through life keeping your trust in God, you can learn from the bad situations as well as from the good situations. And the bad situations can help bring you into a place that Satan meant to destroy you and God just turned it around. And the things meant to kill you end up actually being part of your testimony. Ishmael represents those who may not have the finest birth or the finest upbringing, but still have a major part to play in God's plan. Think about that. We put him off all the time. So he started this corrupt race over here. They weren't corrupt. It was their attitude toward Israel that made them corrupt. They were not created in corruptness. God made Ishmael into a nation because he loved Abraham, because Abraham was obedient to God and Ishmael was part of that that happened to him. He turned this cursing into a blessing and Ishmael had a great nation. But again, those nations in there, the people in there turned against the nation of Israel. Hagar was an Egyptian maid. 
and she followed Sarah. And Sarah and Abraham brought her back from Egypt. She worked in a home with believers who taught her of the Lord and she became a believer herself. In fact, when this whole thing happened, she was crying out to the Lord, looking for an answer, yet the home she worked in was flawed. You say, yeah, but you know, she came to, to live in a home of believers. Today we would say, well, she was living, living and working in a Christian home. Well, just because people are Christian doesn't mean their home isn't flawed. Doesn't mean their life isn't flawed. When you live in the home with someone, you find out exactly what they're like. You find out what they're really like living with them day after day. When people come to stay with you and live with you, you can listen, you can put up a good front for a little while, but after a while, the flaws start to come through. Why? Because somebody is there living with you. And again, what happened was this whole thing was through their flaws. This is what caused Hagar to have to go to bed with Abraham or at least make the choice or lose her job. And so she did and that she became pregnant and she became attached to that child. Hagar came to work for Abraham and Sarah with an expectancy, but found instead it was a difficult place to work. She didn't hire on to be a surrogate mother for a man and a woman who could not have children. And on top of that, she probably hadn't even heard from them that God promised them a child, but it was Sarah that became irritated, agitated, and began to push hard and finally said, look, you go to bed with him. You have the child. We'll just let God work through that way. You can't tell God what to do. He'd already told them they were going to have a child and the child would come through their own loins and Abraham and Sarah would have a child and he would be the one who would be the leader. And so we have it here again and into the next generation on to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So she's hired by a woman who manipulated her staff to have a child for her and Abraham in their old age. Hagar then became the object of jealousy for doing what her master asked her to do. She also worked for a man controlled by his wife. When the child was born, she and the son were bonded to the father who did not want to think of separating from them. Why? Because when you have a child, you're attached to them. And whether it be Hagar or whether it be Abraham, both were attached to that child. And so we have it here again, Hagar's obedience just brought in more chaos. She moved from a relatively good situation with Sarah to a relationship of hatred and fighting. Abraham must have thought he could have sexual relations with Hagar and not become bonded to her. But there's always a bond when you have a sexual relationship with someone else. That's why the Bible teaches so much against affairs, teaches so much against adultery, fornication. Ishmael also had to live with his father and mother's choices there in the house, but again, for the rest of his life. Our decisions not only affect our life, our decisions affect our children, grandchildren, right on down. And we live in a generation today which only considers what it means to me. We live in this me generation. Paul said in the last days that people will be lovers of self. Every sin listed after that all comes back to a occupation with me. Everything revolves around me. Look at the magazines we have on the, sh on the shelf, myself, you know, and uh, us, and we have magazines like that. And one, one person, I actually mentioned it one day, I think it was here on the broadcast, I said, I'm just waiting for somebody to find a magazine called Me. And I laughed about it. Well, some lady did. Sent me a copy of it called Me Magazine. Well, it's, it's again, with today's society, that's about what it is. Everything is about me and what you think of me and how am I accepted. This is so important to people around today, but the point of it is, I don't care whether I'm accepted or not. I'm just glad that I've been accepted into the, into the beloved, accepted into God 
God's own family, born again by the power of God, and sons and daughters surround me, church people surround me. I'm glad that from the word of God, I have a future. I don't have to fight for my own reputation. I don't have to fight for my future. God has a future for me. And all I have to do is simply obey him, walk in his paths, and do what he asked me to do. And this plan's gonna unfold and become better and better. I mean, here I am now in my 70s, and I can just tell you, my life is wonderful. I came through some hard times. I came through some great times, but you know what? I learned from both of them. The good times blessed me, the bad times taught me. And through all those times, I'm now standing here today and all I can say is to God be the glory because the good things could have corrupted me. I could have got so wrapped up in good things, I forgot all about God and the bad things did not destroy me. I just kept my trust in God because as good as life can be, it's not as good as God. It's not as good as the life I'm gonna have when I get to heaven or experience the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But to be a Christian, to know him and to know he's got a plan for my life is wonderful. And it all comes back to this, is that when Isaac was born, Sarah found out she didn't need Hagar like she thought she did. And now she's wanting to get rid of her. And there's people around us that want to get rid of us. But you know what? We'll never be getting rid of by God. He still takes care of us. I'll see you next time. We'll continue right here where we left off. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.